Welcome to Adapt Radio, where all dialogue and perspective is true, and our goal is to help you one conversation at a time. This is your host, Solomon Hillfleet, and I'm happy to be here to talk to you guys on this week of July 13th. Yo, it has been a lot going on, but there's been one major event going on on Twitter that's kind of got me to even want to go out here and have this conversation with y'all. Um, to those of y'all who aren't really in the loop, if you haven't been paying attention for the last couple of days, um, Talib Kweli has been embroiled in a vicious Twitter battle um, with one of the one of the young ladies that uh, I guess follows him. Now, I'm going to be really frank with you. I don't really know the real nature of it. So if I miss, you know, if I misspeak or misspoke, whatever, please, somebody correct me. But to my knowledge, you know, a fan basically was talking about how, you know, he was in a, you know, he already had, uh, he was on a rocky relationship with his wife, but they basically were talking about how, you know, he's had some extramarital affairs and some other skeletons in his closet. And, you know, in his anger, he lashed out at the, the young lady and got into a continued battle with them. And they've been going back and forth over the course of at least a day or so. And, um, in the eyes of a lot of his fans, many of whom are um, ladies, they feel like, you know, his comments are hateful towards black women and they reflect, you know, a hate towards black women that is all too common. Now, here's the here's the thing about it. On one hand, I obviously think that going back and forth with anybody for an extended period of time has no real purpose. And even on a greater level, I definitely don't think that we're considering what everything's going on. This is probably not a time to argue publicly um, with black women or for it to be seen like you're arguing with black women. But with that being said, on the other hand, too, I also feel like all too often, you know, and this is going to be the the, um, you know, the thing nobody wants to admit. I really don't feel like we're in a place constructively that black men and black women can disagree publicly. I feel like. A lot of black men are being encouraged is the word I use to um, not disagree publicly. And and to a degree, I think for the sake of unity, it's always important never to argue publicly. Um, But I don't think it's about the sake of unity. You know, I think there are a lot of women who feel like they've been oppressed for so long that this is the time for them to say how they feel. And you just got to deal. And on one hand, I respect it, you know. There are a lot of uh, atrocities and things going on in the black community that just quite frankly, black men do play a part in, have more responsibility than black women in fixing. You know, six out of 10 women being sexually assaulted ain't a black woman problem. That's that's a problem with black men in our communities. Those are conversations we have to have with young men. Those are those are lessons and things that we have to talk about. Those are real things that need to be repaired. You know, on the other hand, though, the the issues between us male and female are issues we both have to work through together and some of them are interrelated so i say all that to say though there is a growing sentiment that if you say anything against black women then it's hateful and you know i'm going to use a personal experience i went through to shed light on it you know because i got you know i think it's important for everybody to self-assess. And I think in a lot of situations, I don't have an issue with self-assessing and being told I was wrong with how I said or did something. I think that's important. And I think it's important to have people who love you who can say that to you. So let me get into it. So last week, really literally about probably about a week ago, right before this happened, I basically put on my social media in these exact words. I said that I do not desire to uh, support 
uh, or I said I will love Janelle Monet and I will love um, No Name as black women, but I just do not want to hear anything else that they have to say. And the sentiment was why? And I said, because I feel like a lot of their comments only focus on the negativity that they feel like is rap and black men. And I said, but now what I said was, I don't want to hear them talking about uh, black men oppressing black women. Now, that 100 percent was not what I probably meant to say, but that is exactly what I said. And that's the only way that this conversation really can be judged. Unfortunately, no one could have known my intent. And if you really know me, you probably could have called me and had a conversation with me like some people did, which I think is important. But I also know social media is a public forum and people don't deserve you that courtesy. So with that being said, I swiftly got embroiled in an argument. I don't really care to usually argue with people, but it was about me trying to feel like I was my character was being assassinated. So I got defensive. But all that to say, I was able to have a conversation um, with one of the women in my life that I look up to. And she told, you know, we had a conversation. I expressed to her what I said. And she said, was this what you meant? And what what she said was what I meant to say. And she said the volume of negativity that you're hearing on social media disturbs your spirit. I was like, that is it. But that's not what I said. And what I said reinforced the notion that a lot of black women, women held or hold that black men do not care. So I can understand why that's already a hot button issue. You know, that's not what I meant, but it doesn't matter what you meant. All you can be judged on is what you said. So I say that to say, you know, I had a conversation with uh, one of my line brothers and I'll never forget him saying, you know, I said, bro, what I said was 100 percent wrong. I said, but I still feel as if what I meant was right. And he said, you realize that you can feel that what you meant was right, but that's still um in a sense, uh, being tone deaf to the issue or reinforcing that same system. And I said, I'm welcome to that interpretation. But I said, only me, only I ultimately know what my intention was. And I know what I was trying to say. And, you know, it got me to thinking about I'm going to tie this back into quality, but it got me to thinking about J. Cole, too. I think there's a growing thought that if you do not take the the constructive criticism you're being given, then you're being you're silencing it. And I what I was expressing to my line brother and what I expressed to you all is that there it may be hard to believe, but there are a lot of black men who actually have been doing the work and they don't want you to give them a pat on the back or a cookie. You don't have to say you're great and, and you don't even have to call them an ally per se. But there are black men who are not only sympathetic to the cause, but there are black men who who are aware of the injustices that black women feel, who speak out against these atrocities, who make sure that they try to stay up on the nuances of these things. And while it's not always when we're having a discussion, like I think the young lady told me, when we're talking about vegetables, you don't want to interject with fruit. I get that. But I also think balance is key. And that is what I was trying to express. There's such a volume of negativity on social media about black men that it is discouraging to say the least and too often the nuances are missed and i've i've been on that kick lately because i've been you know going down rabbit holes and doing my own research about it from different scholars and what you realize is that some of the more prominent um black scholars 
have perpetuated this same type of attitude that black men and, you know, you hear all the time that black men are the white men of the race. And you could go into how from a logical standpoint, that's a logical fallacy, how black men don't have any structural power like white men. But that that's that's a moot point. You could also go into the fact that this belief that black men are trying to be like white men in the assertion of power has no real basis. Because if you look at the historical context, black men have always viewed working with uh, black women as paramount to our success. You cannot think of you can think of hardly any story of a black man succeeding without a black woman there. That's never been about asserting dominance. Now, you could say black men have taken uh, the work of white black women and over, uh, powered them in that sense. Yes, that that's definitely true. Not giving them credit. Yes, definitely. I'm definitely take that. But to say that we're trying to be like white men, that's just not true. And what I was getting upset about is too often we hear these things, but I don't hear people quoting scholars who are saying the opposite. I don't hear the people that I'm having these discussions with. You're mentioning bell hooks to me. I think that's, imp- I think that's perfect. You mentioned Angela Davis to me. That's perfect. Like I've, re- and I've read both of their works. Angela's more extensively. I'll be, be fair. But have you read Tommy Curry's man? Not have you read Hassan Johnson? No, you haven't. You haven't because that doesn't fit the narrative that you're trying to promote. Now, with that being said, the thing that I appreciate my line brother for telling me is look, Sam, as long as you're aware, you can know the thing, but you cannot know how being a woman is. I said, brother, and that's why ultimately I think as black men, there's a part where as much as you know and empathize, you really do begin to feel as if this is not really something that you can even speak on and that you have no choice but to to bear it. You know, I, I did an article about a year ago, really about a year ago to this time, and I said, you know, are black men the white men of the the black race? And I think it's a thing that got publicized and promoted by groups like the the Root. And I'm not going to go into, you know, what form of journalism that is, whatever. It gets for good clicks because obviously I read it. But I'll say this. I likened I started with the scene where in Malcolm X, the white woman walked up to him and said, what can I do for your cause? And he said nothing. And I want to say, don't quote me, but I want to say when you read the autobiography of Malcolm X, he spoke about it later and said that he regretted telling her that. And the thing I say is to that is this. It is important to point out the atrocities. It is important to be vigilant about holding people accountable. But at some point, you do have to acknowledge that if all you're focused on is the ways that people aren't helping you, you can't see the ways that people are helping you. Now, mind you, when you're in the midst of a crisis, you do have to focus on how you're bleeding out, how you're dying. But you but what I'm saying to that also at the same time is and I understand me saying this is not the right time, but it has to be said and it has to be said. And the reality of it is. It's just it's not about comparing who has it worse because black people in general do not have it well. And one of the things I was arguing with the young ladies about was do not expunge the role that white supremacy has played in this whole system. The very fact that you're arguing with me when you know me well enough to call me is a reflection of that, because you you literally are making comments saying I put my womanhood above my race. And the thing that. And I I think the thing about that that's foolish is if you really have a true understanding of feminism, it's about the equality of sexes. So I would put your I would put your sexuality. I would put your biological sex above my race as well. But we don't live, per se, in a world where it's that black and white. We live in a world where there are levels of power based off gender, based off race, etc. Now, black women's uh, 
femininity is based on the fact that it's a response to being oppressed by everybody. And to a sense, you can be aware of that and know that. And that's why you ultimately can't say that you don't have privilege, which is I would never say that I don't have privilege. But to falsely say that my privilege or to say that I have the same privilege as a white man is just not logically. It doesn't logically make sense. But I get the assertion that you're making. Now, with that, let me tie that back into what I'm saying. What I learned from that instance is ultimately I can intellectually understand something very well. I cannot think that my intellectualization beats someone's lived experience. And I have to realize that people can only give the energy based off of their experiences. People have been through negative experiences with with men and that has shaped their reality. And they do not want to accept that, though that is a part of the reality, that there are still people working to repair that. You know, when you say when it was funny, I can literally recall for two weeks before that argument had me posting nothing but clips of talking about black men involvement in the families, uh, talking about uh, black men going to therapy and the stats were showing how drastically different it is in comparison to other generations. And it was mom's the word. And the minute I posted that, that's when I got all the feedback. And it's funny. I can remember getting into a similar uh, debate with another young lady and she doesn't follow me anymore, but it's with love because I understand. And she said, you know, I thought you were trying to have a conversation. You're just dealing in a bunch of generalizations. And I thought what what I thought was interesting is that we're both we're all dealing in generalizations. when We make these statements, but only one person's generalization is reality. The other is a generalization. And you can guess what I'm insinuating by that. But I just thought it was interesting that we always say we want real dialogue. But when it gets to these types of points, we cannot separate our own personal experience from the possibility of a whole experience, you know, and we also cannot take accountability for the things we went through. You know, it would be very easy for me. You know, when I wrote my book, fuck boy, it was about addressing the things that I had done to women. And in one hand, I could have easily blamed my things on the response or lack of response I got from women. I could have said women were indoctrinated to like thugs. I could have said that, um, you know, that the women I dated or the women that I liked, you know, did not have this or did not have that. And I could have blamed it. But the reality of it is, to a degree, how people treat you is a reflection of them. But how you see yourself is a reflection of you. To a degree, I saw myself negatively. And part of that was how they viewed me. But part of it was and the major part of it was how I viewed myself. I didn't have confidence in myself. And I think to flip it, we have to take some accountability for the lack of energy that we're receiving. If if the men that you are encountering are negative, maybe it's not maybe it's not always possible that all the men are bad. Maybe it's just a reflection of the men that you seem to be meeting in a certain pocket. Maybe you have subconscious beliefs that make you feel as if these behaviors are things that you should accept. Now, mind you, none of those are popular statements, though. So, of course, it's just easier to like to do what they said, the gender wars and snipe each other all day. Now, to tie that back into Talib Kweli, with Talib Kweli, I think the thing that's interesting is, you know, I think his intent, and like I said, I could miss this, his intent was to defend his wife. And it instead became, you're being hateful towards black women. And 
the even more was why is a grown man arguing with a grown woman? And I think, you know, we we are aware of the double standards, but we can't really men are not really allowed to point out the rules. They just have to deal with the rules that have been put in place. You know, it's cool. when We can quote, you know, uh, I can't think of I don't want to mispronounce the lady's name um, who did that. We should all be feminist books. But, you know, when she talks about how roles are flexible and how there are women that do things better than men in relationships and vice versa, it sounds very good. But when we really think about it, we've been conditioned so well to view men in some light that it is just shocking to see them outside of it. We do not view men as people who are full creatures. We view men as robots. Men take what you give them and they don't respond because old school men didn't respond because there was no place for them in society to say, hey, this is uncomfortable. I do not like this. Men just endured and died young. That was it. But now we're dealing with a whole flip where men will say, hey, no, I'm not taking that. Or why do you feel that way? Now, mind you, the other catch 22 is that you definitely get to see more hatred on social media. You definitely get to see colorism on social media. You definitely get to see fetishization. Uh, I hope I didn't pronounce that wrong, but whatever. You know what I'm saying? You see that holistically. So it's not that it's perhaps more. It's just it's more present. It's more visible. You know, if our grandparents would have had social, we would have saw some things, but we don't. There's no uh, digital footprint of that. So it'll only be us. But I say that to say in his attempt to, to defend his wife, it became him hating black women. Now, mind you, I'm not defending the things that he's uh, accused of doing. You know, he's accused of, of course, sexually harassing his former artist, some other things that are horrific. I don't know whether he did it or not in a court of law they have to prove that i would just simply say you know if in those cases it's, it's sometimes better to say nothing but i just will also say we are in a time where if you defend if you argue with a woman publicly then you're gonna lose if you do not argue then it comes off as you being condescending and don't feeling it and not feeling as if she's equal for you to have a discussion with so and i think also I think the intent we have to realize what the intention is with men and how they dialogue when men dialogue. And this is a generalization because there are truths and generalizations when men dialogue. Typically, yo, man, I think LeBron is this. I think da 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 is this. I think this rapper is this. I think that. No, 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 bro. Da, da. Eventually, there's going to come to a point where it's going to be like respect. That's how you feel. How I feel is different. Cool. Now, they might concede that you have a point, but eventually, even if y'all stay on your own size, that's it. The intention was to make the other person believe you. But if they don't, that's fine, too. You just feel like they know what they know. There's sometimes a there's sometimes a feeling. I won't say it's general, because then if I say it's a general a statement, you're going to say it's a generalization. But there's a prevailing belief when men talk with women that women want you to accept what they say. And the, the danger of that is the beauty of what makes us different is that we can have differing views. Now, the magic is for us to find a common point that connects us both. That is the magic. But instead of the magic, we just want to focus on how drastically different we are. And it doesn't make for good retweets and clicks for us to be on the same page. It doesn't. We don't realize that the negative energy we put on social media makes other people rich. And it just contributes to our overall detriment because no other group is being affected as viciously by this but us. And I think that's the thing that's the saddest. You know, for me, on one hand, I was upset that people that I knew uh, had a perception of me that I felt like wasn't entirely true. But what I've realized is there are people so intent on 
making their reality reality that they don't want to be open to other things. They want to reinforce what they've told themselves, the narrative that they told themselves. And it's the same. I, I could be guilty of the same thing. You know, I could be looking at myself in this situation as a victim. I don't think I am. I think I'm looking at myself as a hero for standing for what I believe. But I also think I can acknowledge that before you say something, you really need to think about how it sounds. And you have to think about whether this conversation could be had on a, a public scale. Now, I also say to these statements with quality and everything included, there needs to be real dialogue. And that is what I was definitely trying to do with my book, Fuckboy. And I'm going to say it's because I have my own pod, but I just think it's funny. I remember before the book being released, me trying to work with people in Fort Valley uh, last year around October. And I really wanted to do an open panel discussion about it. And for some reason, it fell through. I won't blame the people involved, I, you know, and I won't say your names as well. I'll just say I understand. And, you know, God knows best why I didn't. But I will say, you know, ultimately. There is conversation that needs to be had, but we have to understand that just because someone believes something different from you doesn't mean that it's wrong. You know, there are a lot of conversations where this is happening on a massive scale. You know, Chance the Rapper is catching a lot of grief right now. Do I think what Chance is saying is right? Not really. I don't think Kanye is def I, I'm a Kanye fan. I don't think Kanye is a good presidential candidate. But the point that Chance was making is, are you really anti-Ye or are you pro-Biden? And that point, I think, is being lost. And I think what people don't understand is we are once again in the same position of anybody but this person. We are always constantly playing defense and we're never saying, hey, let's hold our party accountable. If we're going to vote in mass for them, let's hold them accountable. How did the Democratic Party get out of once again electing somebody progressive? Kamala would have been progressive, even though I had problems with Kamala. Kamala didn't get elected. Elizabeth Warren, I mean, I would have been Cory Booker. I knew he wasn't going to win, but if, at least if you're going to go down, because if you think that if you think this madman is going to let the, the reins go with all the things that he's been showing, he's willing to do, then you're crazy. But if you think it's going to be a fair election and you think Joe Biden has a really good chance, that's that's just an interesting thought. But my thought was that it was already a lost cause. So you might as well be progressive. That was my thought. And I think people thought that. There are, there are people who think that people thinking for Bernie were just uh, really uh, liberal or on the, the way far, the far, far left. And I think the funny thing is when you really talk to people who vote Democratic, and especially black people, when you think about some of the things we're really proposing, they're very radical. Reparations is radical. Defunding the police is radical. But we get caught. We're getting caught up once again in the moment and allowing the moment to shape the narrative. There have always been activists who've been preaching defund the police. There have always been people who've been preaching for reparations. And we get caught in the narrative and then allow the narrative to shape what we say is our group thought. And we don't have a group thought. That's what's crazy. But we the only thing we group we think in group numbers is, is voting for Democrats and saying that black women once again have to save everybody. And the reality of it is black men voted in droves for Hillary Clinton. And the reality of it is, once again, the electoral picked the winner. So I say that just to say, though, black people, we can disagree on a point and it doesn't mean that you're 100 percent right and I'm 100 percent wrong. It's never that black and white. And we want to occupy 
grounds on the on the grounds of morality and being the moral judge as opposed to just saying, look, where can I meet you at and understand where you're coming from? at?" And I think what we got to understand that the opposition does a very good job of that. And we may feel as if we don't understand why, but it's something about people meeting you where you are. Now, mind you, we can't vote Republican, obviously, for the fact that they're just a party of bigots. They, they are so narrow minded as well in there. And they're so myopic in their view that they're willing to let a lot of people die, you know, <laughs> and they're they're willing to let children be born to do, to live in poverty. And I mean, I know some people may feel like that statement is controversial, but you're willing to say, hey, nobody should be able to abort life. But those lives are your responsibility. Then All right, I, I get you. But we don't want to change poverty, which puts these kids in these positions and makes people make these decisions. But hey, we don't want to target poverty. We just want to target the right for you to decide what God has said. And it once again comes down to which God do you believe in. But we're going to leave it alone. The point I'm saying is that, listen, black men and black women, here's where we're at. Black women. I know people keep saying, listen to black women. It may be hard for you to hear. There have always been a lot of black men that have always listened to black women and don't have an issue with that. But you also have to understand that you can be a black woman or black man and be wrong. It's not the end of the world. Clearly, I was wrong in what I said. Clearly, I was wrong. It was wrong to say that I don't want to hear black women complaining about or black women talking about the pain they experience or depression they experience from black men. Clearly, that wasn't the right thing to say. It also wasn't right for, you know, bell hooks is just saying that, you know, the Central Park Five were enacting a suicide ritual. It wasn't right to say that it wasn't right. You know, it's questionable for Angela Davis to say Joe Biden is is the candidate to vote for when she supports, you know, Marxism and a lot of other controversial non-establishment things. Those those clearly aren't the right things to say. Jamil Hill hasn't hit the mark every single time. You know what I'm saying? There are a lot of people who haven't said the right thing every single time. The people who do are the people who say less. That's your Jay-Z's, that's your Obama's. Those those are, those are people who don't say much. And then when they do, it's always the right thing because they stay in a good light. But I say that to say, black women, it's possible that you're, that you're, you're 98% right. But there's a 2% where you're not right, but you're just trying to have the moral high ground. And that doesn't always make for good unity. Black men, with that being said, it's a lot of times where we not right. And it's a lot of times where sometimes it's just our time not to say nothing. This is probably one of those times, but I'm just going to be real with you. I also feel like I can be respectful. I cannot obstruct you, but I have to still maintain my autonomy, autonomy. I'm sorry, not autonomy, my autonomy. I don't feel like as long as I'm not obstructing what you're doing and I'm helping what you're doing, I can disagree on how that may look. But as long as I'm not disagreeing on your fundamental freedom and rights, that's fine. You know, I'm not disagreeing with black women saying protect black women. There's nothing to disagree upon with that. There is no me without them. I can disagree with no name, you know, getting on J. Cole and then saying I don't I'm not a leader. I just want to smoke weed. And and okay, mom. So you're not a leader. But then you say you want him to be a leader. But he says, hey. I don't know much as much about this as you, but I don't know anything about it. So you get to be absolved of freedom. But he has the responsibility. And when he says something to you, it reflects his ego being hurt. But then when you do something, it's a reflection of how you're consistently growing. One person can grow. Another person is expected to be perfect. 
Now, that statement right there might sound like how it sounds, but I feel like what I'm saying is that people have to have a ground to be able to say, this is how I feel. And I'm not saying your life means less. So I'm not threatening your life, but this is how I feel. And I respect if you don't understand, but if you know me and you know me well enough to discuss this, then you can discuss this with me. And to those people who are hearing this, if you know me well enough to know my mama or know my brothers and know my sister and know my friends and you can call me, then I will respect what you're hearing. And if you do not know me that well, then it's going to be hard for me to accept what you're saying, knowing that you don't know me well enough to understand nuance because nuance is being lost in this. And I say that as my final point. Nothing is 100% good or bad, y'all. You have to understand and take things with a grain of salt. You have to understand that there are levels and nuances and degrees of what's being said and what should be done. Nobody is goals but you. Nobody. So, but with that being said, I hope everybody out there is staying empowered and staying motivated. Thank you all for listening to me. Hopefully everyone has an enjoyable week. Take care of yourself. Much love.